Clang Magazine is paid for by supporters like you at www.clangmag.co and by the following sponsors. All right, it's an advertisement. Ad number one for Clang Magazine podcast. Uh, Let me just say right off the bat that we take this seriously. We take ad sponsorship transparency very seriously. We're never going to just slowly uh, sell you something under the radar. Everything is transparent and everybody that we promote on this podcast or on our website is somebody that we personally vouch for and whose services we truly believe in. Uh, so just wanted to get that out of the way. Transparency is our friend here. With that being said, I got a question. What the fuck is mastering? I mean, really? And more so than that, Shouldn't a mastering and post-production company be offering their services to actually explain to you the processes behind their craft so you can maximize your relationship with them and actually know what the fuck's going on? Well, it just so happens that our friend in Germany, Felipe Vareschi, offers some seriously niche and bespoke audio engineering services for your weirdest of projects. More than just talking to you about the secret ancient arts of mastering, Felipe offers a variety of skills to boost your recording and music work. Whether it be consulting you and designing your own home studio, mixing and mastering for spatial and multi-channel sound, even helping you maximize your diegetic and synthetic sound designs for your next film or video project. Felipe does this and a whole lot more, so reach out to him at www.vareshimastering.com. That's V-A-R-E-S-C-H-I. Reach out to him today. Creative Consulting for the Sonic Underground. You are now listening to Clang Magazine. Picture this, if you will. I'm sitting on my front porch, enjoying a nice evening to myself, drink in hand, perhaps a bit of smoke. Off in the distance, I see a shining orb. Slowly approaching me, I realize that is a Scottish orb, an orb of the Scottish variety, we'll say. Is it? It couldn't be. Is it? seminal electronic musician and producer Hudson Mohawk. The hologram approaches out of the orb. I gasp with excitement. I hope he has an interesting conversation about sound and media with me. my god hudson mohawk how'd you get here you're in my house you just showed up just showed up out of nowhere uh begging for scrap metal 
to yeah. be sold at the junkyard. Uh, how are you today? What brings you here? How does it feel to be the first guest artist that we're speaking with for Clang Magazine? Feels great. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, nice to be here. Well, I want to just get right into this shit because you know how I roll on the internet. <laughs> how do you feel about memes in relation to in relation to your music? Um, it's a funny, funny sort of thing. Like I remember going on, um, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, going on like Wayback Machine and looking at my old MySpace. And this is like probably 2006, 2007. And it's essentially like the same content as like currently in. <laughs> so like it's sort of in a weird roundabout way, it's sort of always uh, that that side of things has always kind of been a part of my like kind of online. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like, you know, I think I, I said before we started recording, I feel like you got a pretty good grasp on that side of things as well, because you're doing something which like a pretty like base level is is pretty interesting and has some like substance to it. And, you know, if it happens to throw some like humor in there at the same time, then that's, you know. Yeah. You know. I appreciate you saying humor because I think, you know, the world that, extends beyond yourself, myself, and the giant umbrella of electronic music is pretty serious, self-serious, right? Uh, yeah. Do you think that this kind of humor and by extension, the meme, internet meme culture, because not like you said, going back all the way to MySpace through your old material being going viral as a, as a sex meme on TikTok. Uh, do you feel like this is kind of a natural guerrilla marketing? Do you see any material benefit to being funny? Uh, I, I mean, I, I certainly don't, uh, I'm certainly not quantifying it in, uh, any sort of like, uh, material but it's mm -hmm. just sort of like become sort of threaded through the music in some sense and also through the artwork certainly and sure um and also like i kind of i i saw and i do see a lot of parallels between like for now or even you know traditionally in the last 20 years or whatever when you get like a little uh a little sort of emerging scene or genre in the music world and it, it's kind of like riffing off of something which is maybe like or it's sort of recontextualizing something that is popular like in another space or or with like a different audience um and it's sort of like turning it on its head and and recontextualizing it and uh taking elements from that and bringing it into a different sphere. And I kind of see some parallels between that and the kind of like meme side of things as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just some of them have gone fairly big now, but a lot of the kind of like niche sort of uh, like DJ meme pages and techno meme pages and things like that. 
mm-hmm. it's a lot of the same humor and it taking a lot of the same tropes and the same kind of meme formats, but like turning them on their head to be something that has this like incredibly niche specific meaning, but using a template or something or, or, or something that's familiar to a wider group of people. Right. But, right. But, taking it in this, uh, you know, putting it in this context, which like is going to be like extremely funny to like a tiny group of people or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think that with that being said, Seabat having its moment, it's a 10 year old song, right? Um, Do you think that that's, and by a larger extension, TikTok now is a is a a good force for this like re um, recycling of material that meant something to someone else ten years ago to mean something completely different to a Gen Z person it now. Seems to be. part of it is because like in the grand scheme of things TikTok is still in its like infancy it's really like there's no rhyme or reason to what becomes right like popular there and I that is kind of like pretty cool I think it, from what I can tell anyways and I'm not like massively in the TikTok space but um, you know it hasn't been around long enough for it to have uh, for it to have like this set of rules of these are the things that do really well and these are the, it's just kind of a lot of people throwing shit at the wall right in the same way that like the same for the same reasons that I really used to love like Vine you know exactly exactly yeah I mean it's it seems to have replaced that kind of universal itch that people have for like meaningless content that could very well like improve your day by just like the stoop for the stupidest reason, (laughs) you know, like uh, everybody has at some point in their day, like a need for anything, but the serious work, like, I don't know. You know, uh, yeah, R.I.P. Vine. Speaking of <coughs> being an, a musician with an online presence, you know, and kind of the, in regards to that, I guess like six months ago, there were those viral posts with like 
Dua Lipa and other and like Doja Cat being like, we have to like make in our contracts, we have to make TikToks in order to like market ourselves and things like that at a, at a smaller scale than the pop stars. How do you feel for like working musicians in this like online, (laughs) online hustle culture because album sales, album sales aren't going to pay the bills. What do you do? Like, how do you survive now? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of conversations about this. Um, A number of, uh, instances throughout my career um there's been this thing of like i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna make like a template fucking thing because like i know when i see that when i see people doing that i'm like this is bullshit i know that you don't want to be doing this know that i think i i have an allergy to anything that seems sort of like disingenuous Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember speaking to my management about it like prior to the viral thing and being like yeah. basically saying like if you think I'm going to make like a fucking TikTok of like here's five songs you didn't know that I've like you can fuck off I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that you know what I mean um, and if it happens if anything happens for me on any of these platforms it's gonna have to come to me on my terms (laughs) and bizarrely that that sort of randomly worked out but A lot of these people nowadays obviously talking about AI in visual art. Well, now you're seeing it in music as well on these ambient, you know, meditation apps like Endel, where it just is a synthesizer engine that generates pads and sweeping little arpeggios and field recordings. And then you go all the way to lo-fi hip hop channels on YouTube where there isn't even an artist anymore. It's just like a company that's just pressing print on some generative, you know, software that creates these quote, simpler music. I mean, do you have any optimism for somebody that wants to just make like X template style of production or are we all going to have to (laughs) aim for becoming indescribable because you know your music in particular isn't safe it's not hip-hop it's not it's not by any means like you know uk uk dubstep or experimental kind of like uh hyperdub influence uh sort of sound there you have a sort of foot and it's not concert music and yet you have ambient and string arrangements and all the other shit so like do we all have to aim for new in order to escape the automation or are you optimistic that we can still make uh, type beats in 10 uh, years? Yeah. I wonder, 
I don't, I try not to give it that much thought, but like, um, I, I do feel to some extent that like when people in general first become aware of like a new technology that might be a threat to XYZ, there's always a, a furor for like, you know, a period of time. And then I, what my, my idealistic, optimistic view of it is that um, for the foreseeable future anyways, it's going to take human ideas to keep feeding these things and keep them adapting and evolving. Right. It's not, actually, it's not actually intelligence. It's just data learning human material, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it's not going to be able to, like, scrape that data or whatever until, until it exists in having been created by a human. Um, and I think that's probably going to be the case for a while. Do you think that people are, you know, people are saying because of the, I've heard the analogy that this is kind of like the Marvel character universe of art now where like it's all going to be just nostalgia because of it's feeding on previously made art and yeah. music and visual. It's never actually generating new ideas. Are you worried that if any sort of, you know, a sick Jay Dilla style beat being churned out by machine learning has the ability to be as popular as a human being making it. Are you worried that we might have like a plateau of, if this takes off in any way, would we have a plateau I, of I, innovation? I think, I, I think in many ways there's, there already has been a sort of plateau in innovation. Because um, I often think about like, you know, what is the in in music and art and fashion whatever you know what the the current climate is predominantly sort of regurgitating nineties and two thousands work and I know that that kind of runs in a in a cycle of whatever right. it is twenty twenty thirty years whatever and then I'm like well. You know, there's a lot of like very popular dance music specifically now and pop music as well that like you could have told me that was a record from 1993 or 94 and, and you know, it, it, it's almost inconsequential to most people that it's sort of a regurgitation of that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think in, in that kind of sense, it... It, it already has plateaus and that's not even necessarily anything to do with AI. <laughs> right, right. It's yeah, just now, it's just now like the risk of it being the same cycle of nostalgia, but this time not being generated by a person, but by yeah. the third, the last 30 years of data rather than people. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take a human to relate that emotion I feel like mm. um, 
the real the real records would define a particular generation or or you know the real like seminal projects that are not only different but also like capture people's emotion and and attention and you know it's to to sort of like slice through all the bullshit and and really hit people uh that takes a human sensibility i think right it's magic i mean it's irrational sometimes you know and that's the one thing that computers aren't is irrational you're not gonna get it's not gonna come from something that is that exists you know yeah yeah Well, to, to end it out on a strictly music educational note, can you tell us one sonic tool, technological or, or physical object that you've discovered in the past year or so that has become essential to your sound workflow? Uh, there's, one thing, there's one thing that I got, like I'm very fortunate to live like down the street from Perfect Circuit. Uh-huh. Of uh, course. <laughs> uh, you know those uh I don't know if it's one guy or it was like a small company, but the Soma Labs um yes. company, like they had the in fact let me grab it quickly, the the pipe thing. Mm. I'll send you a video of it afterwards, but it's basically like it's a microphone at the end of it, you hold it like that. Ooh. And it has like these weird controls on it. But there's a video that's like crazy Russian or Ukrainian guy or something like making shit and it's like two metal like wow react, like like uh, they react to like it's not a button it's just it's like a current thing that reacts yeah to voltage people. voltage kill yes, switch exactly. yeah. and then no terms for anything on it just like symbols like no nothing that tells you what anything is you're just like twisting knobs and like um. Incredible. So it's an effect, is it an effects processor of your voice going into it? It's basically, yeah. I mean, it has a microphone on the end of it, but it can translate your voice into, it can discern what you want to be a kick or a snare or a hi-hat. Wow. Um, and can just make some like, can be very straight up or can be like the most intense, horrific thing you've ever heard oh my God. Um, this is why I'm, I'm very glad I asked this question at the end though because that's fucking cool <laughs> I hate <laughs> I hate gawking over gear but like I knew that yeah. you have something unique I want this this material yeah. I'd be like well there's this filter module that I just picked up nah I don't want that 
I want the fucking blow into it thing from Ukraine. <laughs> yes, please give me a link that I can hyperlink it in there and we'll be get Soma to inadvertently yeah. advertise at sponsor this. <laughs> Oh man, Hudmo, thank you so much for being our for for popping our cherry of our podcast yes. interview. My pleasure. Series. My pleasure. <laughs> and it is uh it is wonderful to talk to you and uh we hope for you to be involved in future endeavors as we uh as we take off. Now, as I had mentioned at the beginning since you're breaking into my house, I will humbly ask you to leave. I guess <laughs> first. All right. Well, now your hologram is fading away into the distance. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.